Okay, good morning everyone. Welcome to the Life and Torah of Our Leaders. Tuesday mornings, 11.30, live with First Seder Bismedrish. For more information, firstseder.org, about this wonderful program. Um, <clears throat> special welcome to our Torah Anytime viewers and listeners. And today's shear has been sponsored by a very close friend of mine, almost like a brother, Reb Chaim Shmaryo Leif and his family. Lila Nishmas, his grandfather, Rabbi Yaakov David, Ben Yisrael, Yitzchak, Leif, Olav HaShalom, Zechrein Levracha, who is the father of my Rebbe, Harav, Rabbi Moshe Tuvia Leif, the Rav of Agudas Yisrael, Beis Binyamin, in Flatbush, and his yard site is tonight, Dalit Teves, his neshama should have an aliyah. Today we're going to talk about Reb Shloyma Kluger, we mentioned this last week, in the Shir on Rebbe Ephraim Zalman Margolius, the base Ephraim, we mentioned his connection to Rebbe Shloyme Kluger, and we will talk about Rebbe Shloyme Kluger. Rebbe Kluger was Nifter on the first day of Rosh Chodesh Tammuz, Lamed Sivan, in the year Tav Reish Chav Tess, 1869. Now, Rebbe Shloyme Kluger is, a, is a, a, like many of our G'daylim, there is so much to say, and if you ever have time, in the back of his Sefer on Chumash, Imre Shefer, there is something called Taldas Shleimai, written by his uh, grandson. And it is a fascinating read. It's an easy read, but it's a fascinating read with many, many details of his life and different G'daylim and, and things that went on during that period of time. But we will try to get in as much as we can in the short time we have together. He was born in Marchejvon of 1785, Tovkuf Memvav. In the, ear, in the city Kamrov, which is a small city near a bigger city called Zamschutz, which is, in Poland, basically halfway between Lublin and Lvov. So we're talking about in what's today the uh, southeastern corner, so to speak, of Poland. His father, as he writes himself in the Akdama to his Sefer called Sefer Achayim, he writes, My father was a tzaddik before some l'chol yoidavu makirov. He was a very famous, well-known tzaddik for all those who knew him. V'chol yamav ha'yo'icha chulin b'tahara. All of his days he would eat chulin b'tahara. We find such a concept in the Gemara. Certain people used to treat regular food just like it was trumar, like it was hektish. V'oivet Hashem, and he was an oivet Hashem, gadol b'tayru v'yira. Harav Yehuda. That's what he writes in Akdama to his Sefer called Sefer Achayim. In the Sefer Shem HaGedoylim, it, it says his father's name was Rabbi Yehuda Aharon. I'm not sure where that Aharon came from. I didn't see it in any of Rabbi Shalem Kluger's uh, Svarim. I didn't look in all them. There's about 200 of them or more. But I, I saw always he was called Yehuda. But there it says Yehuda Aharon. Ben Harav Yitzchak Isaac Mizalkova. Now, this Rabbi Yitzhak Isaac is a very interesting story. He was a friend, he calls him there a Chaver Muvak, a friend to the author of the Tvuas Shar. We mentioned the Tvuas Shar last week as being the great-grandfather of the Beis Ephraim, um, Rabbi Alexander Sander Shor. And even though the, this Rabbi Yitzhak Isaac was much younger than him, he was still a very close friend with him. And there's a very interesting story the Shema Gedolim brings down, that um, at the end of his life, when the Tuashar was elderly and he was sick, um, this Rabbi Isaac also got sick and was actually nifter about a half a year before the Tuashar. He was much younger than him, but he was nifter. And the Tuashar kept on asking, where's Rabbi Isaac? How come he hasn't come here? 
and they didn't want to tell the Tzvu Ashar that he was Nifter because his health was, uh, it was, uh, it was very precarious. So he, um, they, they, they gave all different Tarutz and why he wasn't there. They didn't want to tell him. And then, as the Tzvu Ashar was on his deathbed, right before he was Nifter, he turned to everyone and he said, tell me, is Reb Isaac still alive? So they said, of course he's alive. So he looked at them and said, you're lying to me. He says, because he's standing right next to me now, and he's asking me that I should be buried right next to him. So they were all shook up there. When it came time to bury him, they went to the kever right next to Rabbi Isaac, and it was a very narrow space. You couldn't even fit in um, a person there. But they started to clear away a little bit the, the, the earth, and they saw themselves, all of a sudden the space got wider and wider, and there was enough room for him, and that is where the two Ashar was buried, right next to his friend, Rabbi Isaac. In the end of Sefer HaChayim that the Reb Shalem Kluger wrote, he, he says, imi, And it should be mentioned, for good, my mother at Snua, Eishas Chayel V'yiras Hashem, Mimishpachas Ram, she came from a very chosh of a family, Moras Gittel, so his father's name was, Ar, was Yehuda, and his mother's name was Gittel. Now, it seems that when he was at his bris, he was called Shloima Yaakov Yosef, but at some point when he was young, I guess he wasn't well, and because of that, they dropped the name Yaakov Yosef, and he remained only with the name of Shloima. That was the Shinoi Hashem that they made because of his illness. It seems that he, he quickly out, he was a very brilliant child, and he qu- quickly outgrew the local cheder, and he started learning with his father until his bar mitzvah. And as he writes in Akdama there, I didn't really merit to benefit from his Torah and his actions because I reached the age of Bar Einshim. Now, Bar Einshim doesn't mean over here 20 years old, it means here Bar Mitzvah, but he was saying he was punished. Why? Because my father was taken from me. His father was Nifter shortly after his Bar Mitzvah. Um, he, he convinced his mother to send him to learn in the neighboring city of Zamashutz, as we mentioned before. And um, there was a, a very famous Rav there who had a yeshiva. His name was Mordechai Rabin. And um, he came to the yeshiva, and Reb Shalima was much younger. He was 13 years old. The rest of the Bachram in the yeshiva were like 20 years old. Um, but he still accepted him when he realized what an ilu he was. But it didn't take long to Reb Shleim left the yeshiva because the Derek Halimud wasn't for him. He had a very, very quick grasp on things. His, his mind worked in, in, in unbelievable speeds. And um, the yeshiva was the opposite. They learned very slowly, very in-depth. And uh, he couldn't handle the Derek Halimud. And therefore he went to a local base medrash and he sat down and learned there. And eventually he came to the, came to the uh, attention of the Rav of the city, whose name was Rabbi Yosef Hachkalarenter. He's the author of the Sefer, the, author of the, Sefer, the Mishnas Chachamim and the Rambam. And he was actually a good friend of Rabbi Shalema's father. And he asked him, how come you, come, how come you didn't come to me? Like, why, why haven't you come to me till now? And he says, from now on, I'm taking care of you. You're going to eat at my table. I'm going to give you everything you need. And later on in life, Rabbi Shalema said, these days were the best of all my days al Pneho Adama. He was sitting there. All he did was learn Torah. And as we'll see, he had a very hard life, Rabbi Shalema Kluger. And um, so he sat in the Bismedrish, and he was taken care of by the Rav, and he learned Shas, Bavli, Yishalmi, Rambam, Tur, Shulchan Aruch, etc., everything. Now the Magid of the city was known, was the Dubna Magid. The Dubna Magid, Rabbi Yaakov Midubna, 
um, at the end of his life, he left Dubna and he was the Maggid in Zamshutz. And he also learned with Reb Shleima, and he basically introduced him to the world of Agada. And he learned with him Medrash and all different types of Agaditas, every Erev Shabbos they would learn. When he was 15 years old, in Tovkov Samachalev, 1801, um, his mother was Nifter, and also his Rebbe, the Rav of the city, the author of the Mishnah's Chachamim, was also Nifter, the one who was supporting him. So he was left now, he didn't have a Rebbe supporting him, he didn't have a mother or a father. At the age of 17, he married his wife, Liba Malia, the daughter of Reb Chaim from Rava. I think we mentioned this city, Rava, Rava, Reish, Aleph, Vav, Vav, Aleph, um, a different, in a different share, I don't remember which one. But it's basically um, about 70 kilometers southeast of Zamashutz. So it's in the same neighborhood. Um, it's more, I shouldn't say that, Mamash is the same neighborhood, it's more in the Ukraine there, closer to Lvov. And uh, he went to live there at his Shver's house. And um, his father-in-law, his brother-in-law were G'dayle Taira. And he would sit and learn in the Bismajish for 18 hours a day. Um, six days a week, together with his brothers-in-law. At that time, he started writing down his Chidushe Taira. He had had Chidushe Taira before, but he never wrote them down. And it uh, didn't take long for them to recognize him as the G'aynim, as, as, as one of the G'daylem. And in fact... <clears throat> In his Pirush on Shulchan Aruch, Chachma Shleimai, in the beginning of Simen Kuf Ayin Vav in Chayshe Mishpat, he writes, Uvi Mamish, when I was very young, Biyaisi Ben Chaf Beis, when I was all of 22 years old, Bikak Rava in the city of Rava, Hayisi Bayer Beis Agadol, I was one of the Dayanim in a big, big Din Taira with Harava Gaina Bezin Anov and Harava Goldom Reiner of Aryeh Mizamashutz. Um, these two big idolim, um the Avbezdin of the city Ahinov, and um, I'm probably mispronouncing that, and with the Rav of the city of Zamashutz, who was the father of Reb Tzvi Hersh Heller. We talked about him. He was the Rebbe of the Kitzur Shulchan Aruch. He was, uh, he, was, um, he was a Rav in Ungvar. He was a Rav um, in, the, in Buddha, um, not Budapest, in Buddha. Um, the author of the Tiv Gittim, we talked about him in numerous shurim um, a while back. But this was his father. And those two were great, were older already. They were older Rabbanim, and I was the third Dayan. So this is how he was recognized by the Gedalim already as someone too, you know, to, uh, as one of the Gedalim, and he was a, uh, a Dayan on this, on this Bezdin. Now it's interesting, in the Sefer Yeshua's Yaakov, from the Rav of Lvov, Rav Yaakov Arnstein, in Simon Tofmem Gimel in Arachayim, there's a tshuva that he answered to the Dayanim of Kak Rava, to the Dayanim of the city. Um, now, if you look in the end of the tshuvas Nois Desha, Nois Desha are the tshuvas of the Levushe Srad. The Levushe Srad on the side of Shulchan Aruch, um, he also is called the Arve Nachal and Chumish. Um, from one of the uh, great uh, Hasidish uh, um, um, Gedolim. So he has Chuvas Nois Dasha, which was put out by Reb Shleimah Kluger's son, or he was very involved in it. So at the end, there are two Chuvas from Reb Shleimah Kluger himself. And he writes there, really, I would never put my Torah together with 
uh, such a great person's Torah, who says he's happy that my Torah should be in his Sefer, but he says, because my son was so busy with this, he involved in printing the Sefer, I'm putting it in. So in one of those Shuvas, the first one, um, he writes over there, this is what I wrote to the Rav of Lavav, meaning the Yeshua's Yaakov, when I was a little over 20. And it is printed It's printed in his Sefer that he's writing to the Dayanim of the city. But you should know it wasn't the Dayanim who wrote it. Rakani, the I'm the one who actually wrote the Tshuva. So I guess somehow the Yeshua Yaakov understood it's coming from the Dayanim of the city, even though he was a young person of all of 20, 20 years old. Um, <clears throat> now, so he got married when he was 17. And a few years later, it didn't last, a few years later, his uh, father-in-law was Nifter, and um, his father-in-law had supported him. His mother-in-law also went into business and supported him as well. But by the year Tov Kuf Samach Zayin, which is, um, he's all of 22 years old, um, his mother-in-law was Nifter, and he had no more support. All of his brothers-in-law became Rabbanim, but, and his wife said, how come you're not becoming a Rav? And he says, I don't deserve to be a Rav. And therefore he decided to become a businessman. But he was so orangutan and learning during the business and during he opened the store. And uh, he wasn't very matzliach because he was always busy uh, learning and writing and writing Torah. So after that, he had to become a Rav. And the year Tov Kuf, Samach 1809, he became the Rav in a city called Kalikov, a little place, small place, which is close to Lvov. Um, the, the Rav of Lvov, the Yeshua Yaakov, said he would be the best for your city. He's a Gain, and he, could be, he should be the Rav of your city. In the year Tav Kuf, Ayin, a year later, 1810, his Bechar, Reb Chaim Yehuda, um, was born. In the year Tav Kuf, Ayin, hey, about five years later, he became the Rav in Poland, in a place called Yozpov, which is near Warsaw, which is very far from where he was. He was in near Lvov, and this is about 355 kilometers northwest um, out of the Ukraine, out of that area, and in central uh, Poland. Um, on his way there, for some reason, his wife Bechla wasn't happy to go. She wanted to stay in her neighborhood. And on the way, they stopped in, the, in the, his old hometown, or her um, a hometown of Rava. And they were there for some reason, for some reason, it's not clear why, for about a year and a half. But eventually he became, he came to the city Yazpov in, um, in the end of Tov Kuf Ayin Zayin, or the beginning of Tov Kuf, um, Tov Kuf Ayin Ches, which is 18, 1817. Um, the problem was, this is where his Saurus began, I mean, he's had a hard life so far, his father being Nifter, his mother being Nifter, his Rebbe, his Shver, his Shviger, and, uh, but he came to the city, and there was a very uh, powerful shaykhet in the city, and Reb Shleim immediately answered his shechita because he didn't feel it was up to par, and this shaykhet made, made his life miserable, and he uh, cut his salary, and because of this, he, lived, he had a very hard time there, Reb Shleim. And in the year Tov Kuf Pei, before Pesach, he went back to Rava for a Din Taira, and one of the people there for the Dintaira was a, a big tzaddik named Rabbi Yozpa from Zalkova. Zalkova was where his grandfather was from originally. 
And um, he asked him how things are going, and Rabbi Shlomo wasn't a big complainer, but he did complain to him about the tsaris he's having, and Rabbi Yosef understood that he has to take care of this, because if Rabbi Shlomo is complaining already, it must be pretty bad. So he told him that, I have a good Eitzah for you. In the city of Brad, there's an opening, as we said last week, an opening for the Magid Mesharim and the, and the, uh, and, and the, and the Ravid, and being the Av Bezdin. The uh, Leva Aryeh, as we said last week, had been Nifter about a year before. And um, I think you should become the Magen Mesharim there, and that'll save you from all your issues. But Rav Shlomo didn't want to go, and uh, he says, I'm not right for that. Broad is the Irvein B. Yisrael, so many tell me the Chachamim, how am I going to be there? And so on and so forth, till Rav Yosef got up and told him, I'm being geyser on you, I'm decreeing on you that you must go to Broad. And he told him, listen, you're still young. But I'm old, and I know how things work, and I've gone through a lot of things in my life. And um, he says, And I have understanding of how the world works, and I understand that in broad you're going to be successful, and you're going to And you go there, and you'll be beholden for me, to me for, uh, for, your, for your life, for all of your life as Hakaras HaTayv. So one of the problems was he didn't know anyone in Broad and they weren't inviting him to come to Broad. So Rabbi Yosef said, okay, I'll give you two letters of introduction. One to the base of Ephraim, Rabbi Ephraim Zalmagolius, and the second one to a big Tamachachim there, Rabbi Zev Wolf Frankel, who was a son-in-law of Rabbi David Natanzin, who was um, one of the big, rich, and uh, Parnassim of the city. So it drayed on a little bit, um, and after Shavuos, Again, this was before Pesach that this story took place. And after Shavuos, he went, eventually went to Brod. And on the way out of the city, he met, on the way into the city, he met this uh, Rev Zev Wolf Frankel, who was on his way out of the city. Because he had actually divorced his wife, the daughter of the big Parnas, and he was leaving. And he said to him, here, I have a letter from Rev Yosva to you. And he said, he, he, stopped his, uh, he stopped his carriage, and he went into, uh, I guess, somewhere, and they spoke in learning for seven hours. And he told him, listen, I'm not going back to the city, but I will write you a letter to Ephraim Zalman Margolius saying that I talked to you when he writes, Psalashen, I had one foot on the wagon and one foot on the ground. I don't know, I was pushing Mamash on my way out, and I spoke to him for seven hours. And, um, and, um, and you should, you know, and, I, and, I, and uh, he's someone who's Roy for this job. So when he got to the base of Ephraim, to Ephraim Zalman, um, they started talking and learning. They went through Shas, Paiskim, and eventually after the conversation, the base of Ephraim said to him, Nobody ever, the first person who won over me, who, uh, you know, was victorious in any machlaikas and learning. As we mentioned last week about how great um, the base Ephraim was. Again, Rav Shlaim was much younger than him, as we said, about 20, 25 years younger than him, but he was very much Nispal, and actually, he went and he accompanied him out of his house. Now, we didn't mention this last week, I saved it for this week. Um, the base Ephraim, as you remember, was, had a Shutif who was a very, who made them both very wealthy, and his name was um, uh, Rav Shimon Dizah, and the way it worked was, the Beis Ephraim had a big house on, on the second floor, and the business office was on the first floor. So when he accompanied Rav Shalem Kluger out, he passed by the downstairs, and his, his, his uh, partner, Rav Shimon, never saw this before. He never saw from all the G'daylim that Rav Ephraim Zalman should be malave anybody out of the house. 
So he ran after him and he said, Who is this person that you're accompanying? And Rafaim Zalman told him, He's a Sefer Taira Mamish. A Sefer Taira. It still took some time, and again, if you have time to look in Tal Shlomo, you could see there exactly what, ha- what happened and the exact details of this. But after uh, a number of weeks, Parshas Kairach, and after the Yeshua's Yaakov again weighed in and said he's ready to become the Magid Mesharim, they accepted him as the Magid and the Ravid in the city of Rud. And now he started becoming much more famous, and they started sending him Shilas from all over the world. Um... In the year 1825, Tov Kuf Pehe, he printed his first Sefer, which we quoted before, called Sefer HaChayim, on Shulchan Aruch HaRachayim. It has Askamas from Rabbi Ephraim Zalman, an unbelievable Askama he writes over there, and also from the Rav of the city of Brod, we mentioned him last week, the author of the Sefer Gur Arya Yehuda, and um, Rabbi Yehuda Leib, and um, there, those are the two Askamas on his Sefer HaChayim. Um... Now, with Sefer Achayim, he received so many letters about the Torah and the Sefer that many years later, in Tafresh Tezayin, um, which is 1856, he actually put out a what he called the Madura Tinyana, a second edition of Sefer Achayim, which he gives another name called Shnais Chayim. And in there, he actually answers and brings all the tshuvas that he wrote to respond to the hundreds of um, of of letters that he received on the Torah in his Sefer, Sefer Achayim. Now, as part of his job, every Shabbos he would darshan in Agadita about the Parsha, and after he would say a whole Jerusha on the Parsha, he would tie it in to one capital of Tehillim, and it was an unbelievable thing. Every week, it was something astounding for anybody who listened to his drushes. They started recently printing a lot of his drushes. They're very, very long, long drushes. And, uh, and um, this was every Shabbos he would darshan. Um, he had many Talmidim. His Seder Hayyim was as follows. He would get up at midnight and say, Tikkun Chatzais, crying um, on the Churban Beis HaMikdash. And then he would say by heart all five of the Sifrei Tehillim, all of Sefer Tehillim as we call it, in a very sweet voice that anyone who heard it was mamish. They were like, felt full of, uh, it drew them close to Avas Hashem, unbelievable emotions and feelings of Ruchnius, listening to him every single day, saying his Tehillim um, in his sweet voice. Then he would learn his personal learning. He calls them Shurim Tamidim. He had his, his, his obligations that he obligated himself to learn every single day until the morning. At 7 he would daven. At 9 he would eat for 15 minutes of breakfast. And then he would learn with Tamidim. He would learn with them Gemara, Rashi, Taisvish, Shulchan Aruch. Um, then he would actually um, answer letters that came to him. Now, in the new printing of, this, of his tshuvas, Tu Tamvadas, they quote their different, uh, you know, excerpts of tshuvas. And one thing he writes over there is that he only answered tshuvas on, he writes to someone on uh, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. And on uh, Wednesday and Thursday is when he used his writing for writing Agadita, as we'll see in a moment. Um, he also made a shvua, he writes over there, that he's not going to write any divrei taira, any day, until he learns from every chilek of Shulchan Aruch Adaf and from Shas Adaf. In other words, till he did what he, his regular daily learning, is not going to write Divrei Taira. He gives some exceptions there. Friday's different, and if he's not feeling well, it's different. Some exceptions, but that was his, uh, his mahalach, not to write tshuvas, until he learned what he needed to learn. Um, so after he answered Shailas, he would then start writing his chidushim. 
And you have to realize, he wrote over 200 Tzfarim, the Rav Shleimah We don't even have them all yet printed. He only printed very few of them in his life. But he wrote over 200 Tzfarim. So he write down his Chidushim on, on Gemara Ashitaiswis, on Shulchan Aruch, on Tach, on Tanach, on Ein Yaakov, on Midrashim. And each one had its own volume, and each one had its own notebook, and is hundreds and hundreds of Tzfarim. In the summer, there was Pirkei Yavitz, uh, Yantiv time, there are, dr- there are drushes. They started printing now the drushes from him, the, the different Mechayin, uh, I don't know if it's Mechayin Reb Chach or, or a different Mechayin. There's two of them, I think, that are printing, reprinting his, his Taira and um, drushes from Yantiv. And then he would have, like, uh, people would come knocking on his door, asking him questions for the rest of the ap- afternoon. He was also a Gavit Stoker for the Aniyim. Um... And this was this was his mahalach in Brod. As we mentioned last week, you know, he, he had opposition and the Beis Ephraim stood up for him and protected him. But in the year Tavkuf Peches, as we said last week, the Beis Ephraim was nifter. And after that, um, he started having Tsaris again. And in the year Tavkuf Tzadi, he had a Maisa like this. There was an Almana who, uh, her husband was nifter, and they didn't have any children. And um, at the same time, it was there was a chazaka that her husband didn't have any brothers and therefore she doesn't need chalitza because there's no brothers to do chalitza. So he was mad to her to, to get married. But then her mother-in-law, who I guess didn't like her, came along and made up a whole story how her, how her uh, husband had a first wife and they had a son and he's somewhere else. So there really is a brother to do chalitza and she can't get married. And uh, Reb Shleimer went through the, the, he listened to the testimony and so on and so forth. And he ended up being, uh, being mad to her. Ended up being mad to her. And there was a big tumult. And again, broad, like we said, the clays of broad. There was a lot of big tamid chamim over there. And anything you did, they were like on top of you. So, and again, he was also young. So he, um, or younger, I should say. And um, there were people very upset about it. So he wrote a tshuva. And they had seven reasons why she's mutter, seven had terim, but that didn't stop, um, um, that didn't stop um, um, them from being upset. And Rav Shalim Kluger said to himself, if I would have the base Ephraim here, he would protect me from all this, and everything would be quiet, like we said last week with the mikvah, the story with the mikvah, um, that the base Ephraim stood up for him. He says, Rav Ephraim Zalman is not here anymore to protect me. The Chavaz Das, the Yeshuas Yaakov, Rabbi Kiveger, the Chem Deshloimai, the Chesam Seifer, they all wrote tshuvas to support his side. Eventually, she, got, she did get married, this woman, and she had children, Shalai Kedera Chateva, um, and it was like a nace, Mamash a nace, that everybody was able to see that there was a Siyata Deshmaya in this heter that Rabbi Shloimai gave. In the year Tavkuf Tzadi Aleph, the Tsaris continued because that was the cholera epidemic, and there were a lot of people who were nifter and brud. And it was, uh, it, was, it was very contagious. Everybody was locked in their houses. And no one was taking care of the poor people. And they were going to suffer the most. And he had been talking in Hashem. And he did not worry about it. And he went to take care of them. And he went to the hospitals to take care of people. Um, and then what happened was, since there were unfortunately so many people who were nifter, so the price of tachrichim went sky high. 
and the the uh, the leaders of the kila decided that they're no longer going to provide tachrichim for aniyim who can't afford it, and they have to be buried in their regular clothing. And he was very upset about it. To be zayin ames, has a whole long story about what he did. But eventually, he got them to change their mind, and actually now just change their mind. The gevirim all gave money towards the aniyim to be able to purchase their uh, tachrichim. In the year Tov Kuf Tzadi Beis, a year later, the Parnes Reb Yudol Natanzin, as we said before, who was the Parnes Ha'ir, and he was a very big support to Reb Shloimai, was also Nifter. And in the same time, in Tov Kuf Tzadi Beis, the Nesivas, Reb Yaakov Melisa, who had a Yedidus with Reb Shloimai, also was Nifter, and he was masked with both of them at the same time. And in fact, in his Akdamatis Sefer Anida called Meinida, he writes there, He says, should be remembered for good, Reb Yudel Natanzin and uh, Zatzal. And he says, And with his expansive hand, he uh, supported me. And and even his death, he left me over something. So he left him over a sum of money. He says he left him over a sum of money. And Reb Shleima used that to start the publishing of his Sefer on Nida, which he said if not for that money, he never would have had the ability to publish it. Not only that, it's interesting, he also left him an esrog box, an ex- exquisite esrog box that had two miles to it. One, it was beautiful, it was silver, and number two, it was actually Yerusha from the Pnei Yeshua. He received it, I, I forgot exactly how, how this Rebudel got it from his grandfather, who somehow got it from the Pnei Yeshua. So it was Yerusha from the Pnei Yeshua. And um, the grandson who's writing this in Tal Shlema says that his father, the son of Reb Shlema Kluger, actually still has that, uh, that Esther Pushka. I don't know if it still exists or not, but that was the second thing that he left him as Yerusha. Now, in the year Tav Kuf there was a story that happened like this. There was a certain wealthy person who used to send a certain amount of money every year for Mishleach Manas. And this year in Tav Kuf Dalid, he sent like uh, seven times the amount or something like that. And Reb Shleimer got very suspicious and immediately he sent back the extra. He kept what he normally gave him. He sent back the extra. He said, I, I think that he's trying to bribe me for something. And Taka, after Purim, this Gvir came to him and said, I want you to give a Heksher on a certain thing. Now, if you look in, in, um, in Chachma Shleimer, in Hilchas Pesach, uh, it's on Shulchan Aruch, in Tav Samach Zayin, there's a very long piece there, and he writes, The following story came to me with a local Gvir. Now this was the story, the Gvir who had tried to bribe him, came to him, and basically, if you look over there, he says, he wanted him to give a Heksher on rum that came from London. He was importing from London something called rum, Reish Aleph Mem, I don't know if it's the same rum we have or not, but some type of schnapps, and he wanted to um, to, had a heksher from London, and he wanted Reb Shleimer to give a heksher on it, and um, and uh, that is why he had sent him the present um, on Purim, and Reb Shleimer understood it. But that's the background to the uh, Misa that he's bringing over there in Hilchas Pesach. A few years later in Tovkov Tzadiches, his wife was Nifter, and the next year he, marry, he, marry, he got remarried to a woman named Freida, she, so he had only one son, Reb Chaim Yehuda, from his first wife. From his second wife, he had two sons who were nifter as children. And then he had his one surviving son, Reb Avram Binyamin. 
In the year Tough Reish, 1860, I'm sorry. Um, no, Tough Reish, 1840. I'm sorry, I was correct the first time. In 1840, um, the Chazam Seifer was Nifter, the Chem de Shleimah was Nifter, the Rav of Warsaw, and the Yeshua Siakov, the Rav of Lvov. And Reb Shleimah at that point was left as the Gadol Hadar um, of the time. And that made it that he got even more busy. Every day he would get 30 or 40 letters from all over the world of different Shilas. And the fact is, even the government recognized him as someone to ask things to. In his sefer called Nidre Zeruzim, which is on uh, the halachas of, of, um, of Nidarim and Shvuas, there's a chuvas that he, he wrote that I'm writing in response to the government asking me the following Shaila. In those days in civil court, the Jews didn't have to make a, when they, you know, swear to tell the whole truth, so they would, didn't have to use a Sefer Torah, but they would use a Chumash. And they would swear, so to speak, they would make their Shvua um, with their hand on the Aseris Hadibris. The thing was that in the Chumashim that they used, not all Aseris Hadibris were on one page. So some, some of the, uh, the judges or the lawyers said, listen, if the guy's going to put his hand on this page and make the shvua, he'll say, he could say later that I only meant on this page and not on the other side, and therefore the shvua is not chal. So they sent the Shiloh to Shalom Kluger that when you make a shvua on the Aseris Adibras with your hand on them and you're only on part of them, is it chal as if your hand was on all of them and there's no way out of the shvua. So this is what he says, I was asked this Shiloh by the government, and he answers, Vivade Havi Shvua Gemura, it is a Shvua, and he writes over there um, his reasoning for, uh, for his Psak. In Tafresh Gimel, his Tsarist continued, he went, he was asked to come to Bardichev to see a Shaykhet that people had some issues with. And uh, it was a very dangerous thing for him to go there because the Shaykh was very powerful, um, and uh, he was there for three weeks. And he didn't give, let on what his psak was. He wanted to go back home before he sends his psak. He actually made a lot of takanas while he was there for slaughterhouses. These takanas were printed by Rav Shleimah Gansfried, the Baal Kitzur Shulchan Aruch, in his Sefer Teres HaZavach, the takanas that Rav Shleimah Kluger made. Um, and when he went a few, a few weeks later to Brod, and again, this is a whole story too, um, a long story, you could look in Talda Shleimer for this, he, um, he sent a letter that the Sheikhet is Nevelos and Trefus, and um, he actually said he had seen 130 animals being shechted, Vikal Lahavin. You know, you find sometimes it says Vikal Lahavin. It's easy to understand. Kuf Lamed is 130. Vikal Lahavin. He says once he saw those 130, it was very easy to understand what was going on. And he said that you have to get rid of the Shaykhet. And it made a big tumult. There were some young Rabbanim who came out against him. Um, and actually, there's a tshuva from the Maramash um, who. They, they write, he was Pesach Ashtay Asifim. He didn't really take sides. He went back and forth. He said, maybe if the Shaykhid is Makabal to do change, you could, you could, you could eat from him. It's Yaradeya Simon Aleph in Maram Ash. You could look there if you want to see the Tshuva. So these were some young Rabbanim who made some trouble. But all the Gedolim came to the defense of Rav Shleimah And at the end, it turned out that uh, this Shaykhid ended up going somewhere else, and they saw him, he was nichshal with a, with a zayna or something, and he did some terrible averis, and everyone saw there, Shleimah was takarite. This young Rav, I think, tried to ask him Michal, and he wasn't Michal him. There was another elderly Rav, who eventually he was Michal him, but uh, this was another, like, world um, tumult that was made with Rav Shleimah. 
Um, now, in the year Tafresh Dalid, there were some modern people in, in Brud, and they got the government to agree to them that you no longer carry a mace out on your shoulders, meaning just carry the uh, mita. You put it into a wagon. It's like well, that was the Gaiish way of doing things. And uh, he was very upset about it, and he fought against them in Brud. And they actually snitched on him to the government that he's trying to change things. And eventually he was taken to... Uh, to um, to, to court over it, and there's a tshuva in his tshuvas of Tuv Tamvadas, Yeridea, Madura Dalit, Simon Ayan about it, and he wrote how it's Usr, um, and he was, uh, but no one, they still didn't want to listen to him in the city. He got very angry, he said, I'm not paskening Shilas anymore in Brud, and because of that, there was no, sh- if, if you, no one to paskin Shilas, so no one could eat meat anymore, because every animal has a shaila in those days. So everyone stopped eating meat, and if there's no meat, there's no, the, 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 the people who make the money off of that are very, uh, are very upset. And um, this went on for three weeks, and a nace happened. They said, the, the Askanim said, from the day that Brud was established, they cannot never remember such a thing. Three weeks, nobody died. Nobody died in those three weeks while he was going through the Indian. And what, what he was doing was he was sending letters to all over the world to get support that this is not a Yiddish thing, so that when the government challenges him, he could tell them that this is not a Jewish thing and kachava, uh, and he was able to get it to, to them to rescind this, um, this law. But at this point, he was fed up with what was going on in Brud, and he decided he wanted to leave. Um, he, Warsaw wanted him, but it didn't end up working out. He became, he was accepted as the Rav in a, in a place called Feltishan, which is in Moldova, Moldova, which is Romania, which is very far, like 600 or 700 kilometers east. But Lamaisa, he didn't go there. And, um, and he became the Rav in Berjan. Berjan, um, was, um, was a little closer. It's not so far. And again, his wife also didn't want to leave. And he went there, but his wife and his young son didn't go because it was the middle of the winter and it was freezing and snowy. So they stayed in Brud, and he went to become the Rav there. Um, but right when he got there, he got sick with typhus, and he was deadly ill, and he was unconscious for three weeks. And when he woke up a little bit, he realized he's a Chayla Masukan, and he made a net there that if he's going to come better, he'll go back to Brud. He finally got better and everyone was besimcha and, and Brad they were davening for him and Rajan they were davening for him. Everyone, everyone was davening for him. But then when they heard in his city that, uh, that he made another when he gets better, he's going back to Brad, they weren't so happy anymore. Um, but Lamaisa, he went back to Brad after a few weeks. But his position as Magid had been filled already. They didn't leave it empty once he left. So he came back as a private citizen. Um, but of course, he was still involved in, uh, you know, Kla Yisrael and Yanim. In the year Tafresh Vav, there was a Shaila about Esroigim from different places, Fraga and Karfo, um, if, consi- if they're more Kavim or not. And he has a long tshuva that he weighed in on that. That was a very big uh, Klal issue. There was another big Machlaikas in Kla Yisrael at the time about how to do Mechiras mech- Chametz. Um, the way they were doing at that time, there were people who were being ma'orer, um, that it's not good, and they asked him to be machri in the shaila. This is the second tshuva that's at the end of tshuva's Nais Desha, we mentioned in the beginning, where he, he, he talked about the tshuva that he wrote to the Yeshua's Yaakov, that the Yeshua's Yaakov thought came from the Dayanim. This is the second tshuva, is at the end of uh, Nais Desha over there, about this Mechiras Chametz. Um, in Tafrei Shud Bey's, his 
Chuvas, his Ksaviyat of his Chuvas, or some of them were stolen, and somehow they miraculously returned back to his house, and he decided he has to now start printing his Chuvas, the Chuvas, Tuv Tam Vadas. He started printing Svarim now in, um, this was Tafresh Yudbeis, in Tafresh Yudalit, his granddaughter was Nifter, and he printed his Sefer Nidre Ziruzim, we mentioned it before, Anidarim and Shvuis, Lili Nishmasa. In Tafresh Yudches was a big machlaikas about machine matzah. We mentioned this a few times a long time ago, a year ago, by the Orach Laner. He was Nifter on, on Hanukkah, we mentioned it then. Um, and other times with the Ksav Seifer, I think we mentioned as well, there was a big tumult about uh, machine matzahs, and he came out very stark against it, and he wrote a kuntras called Moidol of Eis Yisrael, this is um, information for Klai Yisrael, how it's Usr, the Divrechayim, the Chidush Yerim, they all supported his Isser, but then, as we know, the Shailu Meshiv, Rabbi Yisif Shal, who was the Rav of Lvov, argued on him, and they wrote a kuntras called Bito Moidol, that were being Mavatalit, and the Orch Laner wrote in there, and other Rabbanim Chashuvim wrote in there as well. So that was another big tumult he was involved in. Tov Reish Yotas, he, he printed his Sefer on Shemois Gitin, called Chidushe Anshe Shem. And in the year Tov Reish Chaf, he reached the age of uh, 76, and now he started signing his Shuvas, Hatarud, the busy one, the Cholish Kayach, and the one who is very weak. Um... In that year, he printed his second edition of Tum Tam Vadas, and he printed another sefer called Kinas Seifrim, which were answers to people who asked him questions on his other svarim. You see, he had this mahalach, he would answer people as they asked him questions, and he printed um, his answers in different svarim. In Tafresh Chav Gimel, he printed his Haggadah, called Maisi de Yoitzer, and in Tafresh... Um, Chav Hei, he printed his Sefer Amazechta Avoidazara, classic Sefer called Avoidas Avoida. That's the last Sefer he printed in his life. And on Lamed Sivan, the first day of Rishchidish Tammuz of Tuf Reish, um, of Tuf Reish Chavtes of 1869, um, he was Nifter. And they found in his Sava that he said they should take, they should take one of his Svarim that was not printed yet, one of his Kisveyad and his manuscripts, and put it on his chest, on his heart, um, right after he's nifter. And it happened to be, the Sefer they took was his Sefer on Chayshah Mishbat, Lekayim, it, it was it fulfilled the Pasuk, Benasa Chayshah Mishbat Alibai, and he carries the Chayshah Mishbat um, on his heart. Now, he, he, he printed a few Svarim, as we mentioned. Um, by the time his grandson wrote Talda Shleimai, they had printed um, about 28 of his Svarim total, and, um, but there were about 150, um, 150 Svarim, at least, that were still Bekisveyad, that were not printed. And like we mentioned, there's, uh, since then, many of his Svarim have been printed, but there are still many, many Svarim that are still in manuscript form. And um, this is Reb Shloyma Kluger. Schusa Yogin Aleinu Yisrael. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Kaltov.